There we go. Uh, to what will be our, our last study in the book of Ephesians. And tonight we're going to be looking specifically at the armor of God and how we've been called to put on the, the whole armor of God. And so I have really enjoyed uh, going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, I just believe it to be one of the most practical books that covers um, so many different topics, especially those topics of how we as Christians relate to one another uh, within different types of relationships. And so once we got to verse 4, or chapter 4, we looked at uh, what's the relationship that husbands and wives should have and how do husbands and wives live together in such a way uh, that it brings harmony, unity, and uh, is a picture of Christ and his love for his church, for the bride. And then we looked at, uh, well, beginning in chapter 6, parents and children. How do parents and children relate to one another in such a way that it brings glory and honor to Christ? And as Christians, how do we do that? Uh, and we looked at, uh, the lastly, was um, slave and master relationship. We talked a little uh, about how the, um, the slave-master relationship is nothing like the antebellum slavery in America. Um, it's closer today, probably depicted, uh, that of between an employer and an employee. And so, um, so I'm just trying to, um, all right, here's where we've gone live. I just wanted to get that pulled up so that I can see any comments you may have. And again, I want to encourage you, if you have any questions or comments during the Bible study, just write it there in the comment section. I'm going to be looking down and checking to see if there's any questions or comments. So, um, so yeah, uh, take part, be active, communicate. Um, and then I would love for you in the comment section, uh, we're finishing up Ephesians tonight. And uh, as we finish Ephesians, looking forward, praying about uh, where God would have us to go next, I would love to get your input on some of this. So uh, a Bible study that you would uh, like to see done, and I would just love to hear your thoughts. Uh, maybe it's a book or maybe it's a, a topic. I uh, would love to hear your thoughts as we move forward, and then um, this coming Sunday night we'll begin a new Bible study. Uh, so dude, we just want to jump into uh, Ephesians 6, beginning in, in verse 10. As we think about putting on the whole armor of God, as we think about this spiritual warfare that we deal with, And the Apostle Paul kind of saves this to last. This is the last, before he gives his farewell, this is the last section where the Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus, remember that Ephesus is like a a Roman capital in the uh, Asia Asia Minor region. And so Paul's saying to these these Ephesians who are surrounded by Roman soldiers, he's saying to fight the the spiritual battle that, that Satan will wage against us, then just like the Roman soldiers you see, you need to suit up. You need to put on the whole armor of God. Uh, And this uh, Roman capital would have had so many Roman soldiers, so it makes sense that the Apostle Paul uh, is going to use the metaphor of a a Roman centurion, um, his armor. And so that's where we'll get started tonight. We'll go ahead and get started. I know there'll be some that will be a little late signing on. I'm I'm pushing it. I'm about, uh, about on time, but maybe a couple minutes late. And I know that many of those who watch this will have to watch it 
uh, after the fact and not be able to watch it live. Uh, so let's just dig in. So we'll start. I just really, uh, um, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17, I just want to walk through each verse uh, and because I believe this passage lends itself uh, to that. And so the Apostle Paul begins by saying, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord, by his vast strength. Uh, I know King James says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so the very first thing we have to understand as Christians, if we're going to live a victorious life, if we're going to live a life where we um, are overcomers, uh, a life where we uh, are not constantly being sucked back into the life that we used to live before we came to Christ, then we have to recognize and, and we have to, um, I guess our first uh, strategic move as Christians is to understand that Christ has already won the war that we find ourselves fighting battles in. And so we think about the only power that Satan really has over the Christian believer is the power that we give him over our lives. Because as Christians, we belong to Christ. And belonging to Christ, uh, there's nothing that can change that. And Christ has already conquered the power of both sin and death. Uh, how do we know that? Because he went to the cross, he died, was buried, and on the third day he was raised to life again. And because of the resurrection, we now have, uh, based on the authority of God raising Christ from the dead, we know that the victory has already been won. Literally, the, the war has already been finished but there are battles that we will continuously fight uh, in this war that's already been won until the Lord comes back for his church. And so the first thing we need to recognize is we need to build our foundation not on our strength, not on any of our defensive techniques or even offensive techniques that we have as Christians, believers in Christ, but we need to stand firm on the fact that the battle, the war has already been won by Christ uh, Calvary was, a, was the first step of that and the resurrection was the proof of the victory that Christ has already won. And so what do we do as Christians? Well, Satan can throw all the temptations he wants to throw our ways. He can put all the traps that he would like to put in front of us in this life. But if we'll keep our eyes on God, if we'll keep our eyes on Christ, the one who's already won this, what we'll find is that the worldly trials in this life will become much more minor problems than the majors uh, we make out of them many times. When we try to deal with temptation and struggles and trials in this life in our own strength and of our own accord, we take something that's really a minor, something that in the strength of God and the strength of Christ we could withstand, and we make it a major when we try to, to stand against Satan and his attacks in our own strength. And so I want to encourage you, like the Apostle Paul says, is, hey, finally, be strengthened in Christ. Be strong in the Lord. Understand that the, the war has been won even though you're still fighting the battles. In verse 11, Paul continues, says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. There are two things here that I'd like to, to draw attention to. The first is this. Um, Paul tells us to stand. Now this is really important because when you look at a Roman centurion's um, armor, when you look at the, the breastplate and the helmet and, and the rest of the armor that we're going to talk about, the one thing you notice is this, there's no protection uh, in the back of a soldier. So all of his protection is in the front. And so the only way that a Roman soldier 
uh, could stand protected was to stand, to, to stand firm. And so Paul says to us Christians, the first thing we do is we have to stand. And how do we stand? Well, I, I just we stand in Christ. Verse 11 just told us what, that we're strong in the Lord. And so the Lord is our foundation. The resurrection is, is a, a cornerstone. It's a, it's a solid foundation to stand upon. The fact that Jesus Christ has already won this battle for us, has already taken our place. All these things evident in us. And so what we do is we stand. We get in big trouble when we cower and we turn. Because when we turn our back to the enemy, there, there's no protection for our back. We have shown our weakness. Our weakness is when we turn away. Our weakness is when we, we bow down, fall down, or run away. And so the armor that Paul's describing here, and we'll notice that the first thing he says here is, Christians, if you're going to fight this battle, then you have to stand. All right, We have to stand firm. Now the rest of the armor is going to help us to be able to stand firm. But in the Greek, now listen, there are no hard and fast rules that we can just throw out some kind of Greek grammatical syntax or, or Greek rule. But generally what you find is that the, when people are using the Greek language, those things which are most important come first. And so Paul tells us first here that we're to stand. And this, this, this phrase, to stand firm, then... then why? Because Satan's going to be throwing fiery darts. It also carries a, this notion of permanence. Like, what do I mean by that? So what Paul is actually saying is to stand, put on the whole armor of God, and keep it on. It's this notion of permanence. That it's not like we get up in the morning and we put on the armor and then we come home at night and we take the armor off and then in the morning we get back up and we suit back up. It carries this notion of, of permanence. It's that we are constantly uh, armoring ourselves. That we con constantly have the whole armor of God on us to protect our, our hearts, our minds, uh, just um, anything that the wiles of Satan may try to penetrate. And so, so once we put on the armor of God, the, the, what the connotation here is, or the context is, is you put it on and you keep it on. This is how you stand against Satan, is that as we put these individual pieces of armor on, and there's a spiritual sense to each piece of armor. We'll talk about that. But here's what you need to know. When you put it on, you keep it on. Constantly wearing the armor of God. Walking in the armor of God. Going to work each day in the armor of God. Going to the marketplace with the armor of God on. Constantly being ready for any attack, any trap that Satan may try to put in your way. So Paul tells us, put on the whole armor of God. Again, uh, the, the Greek really convey, conveys there this idea of permanence, and it's not to be taken off. And so I know that sometimes maybe we, we give the implication that we get up in the morning and we put on the armor of God, uh, when the reality is we put on the armor of God and we keep it on. Right, so so this picture of a soldier's arm uh, armor that Paul paints uh, is a beautiful metaphor, but remember that this armor stands for real spiritual components, and those spiritual components that we're to put on, that, that we're to to carry in our in in the person that we are in Christ, we never take those off. Like when would we ever take off the breastplate of righteousness? We we always want to be walking. 
in the will of God. So it's not like we put it on sometimes and then we take it off. We can't wait till Satan attacks to put it on. And when we look back at the attacks that Satan has thrown in our life and the, the traps that he sets for us, what we notice is typically we, we only know about it in hindsight. Uh, Satan typically doesn't go around and, um, and advertise that he's going to send trouble your way or he's going to send some, some trials your way. Typically, they happen in an instance at a glance when you least expect it. And so it's so essential and so important that we put on the armor of God and we don't take the armor of God off. So tonight, you're watching this Bible study, whenever you're going to be watching it, I pray that you have the whole armor of God on and, and that you don't plan to take it off. The plan is to constantly be girded, to constantly have God's armor on as Christians. Why is this so important? Verse 12 begins to, to delve into the type of attacks we have to be ready for. Uh, why we need the whole armor of God, why we need to stand firm, why we need to stand fast in, in Christ, to be strong in the Lord, to put on the whole armor of God and to keep it on. Verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Uh, yours may say, as, as the King James says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so the first rule of battle is you need to know the enemy that you're going to be confronting. And so what Paul does here for the Christian is he identifies who the enemy is. He identifies what we're going up against, what it is that we're actually fighting against. And so uh, the word wrestle here really implies hand-to-hand um, -hand combat. And so this isn't battle at a distance. This isn't uh, sitting behind a desk pushing a button, a missile taking off. This is hand-to-hand -hand combat is what Paul's talking about. And he says that our, our battle, our hand-to-hand -hand combat, the battle that takes place in the life of a believer it's hand-to-hand -hand combat. We're not standing off watching. This is an active battle that we're taking place. It's an active engagement. And so we are fighting actively hand-to-hand -hand against the enemy, against Satan and all of his henchmen, against um, whom we have... Listen, we have no power except for the power that Christ has given us. And so we're to stand strong in the Lord, what Christ has given us. We are to put on these tools that Christ has given us in the armor. And we're to realize we, we can't do this when we strip ourselves of the armor that God's provided. When we try to stand against Satan and all of his henchmen, against all the darkness and the evil in this world, if we're trying to do that in our own strength, we're setting ourselves up for a massive failure. And so Paul is telling us, he's pleading with us and saying, listen, the battle that you face, it's hand-to-hand -hand combat with the enemy. And so you best have the armor of God on because Christ has given us all we need to have victory when we're standing strong in the Lord, not when we're standing strong in ourselves. And so the one thing we, we are not going to do is we're not going to go to battle in our own strength. We're going to depend and rely on God. We're going to be strong in the Lord, as verse 10 says. Verse 13 goes a little further as we begin to get into the armor of God. And 13 says, For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. 
Now, we talked about this a minute ago, and this word stand, and, and what the Apostle Paul is conveying. And again, he, he comes back to this notion of, of standing. So we're to stand strong in the Lord, and then as he begins to list the individual um, pieces of armor, the Apostle Paul says again, stand, right? And then he's even going to start, verse 14, by saying, stand therefore. And so he ends 13, take your stand, begins 14, stand therefore. And so there's really something important again about this word stand. And when we're talking about the armor of God. And so if we're really going to battle the enemy, if we're going to have to go up against Satan and, and his henchmen, then we're going to have to do that in the Lord. We're going to have to stand strong in the Lord. And again, Paul uses the metaphor of a Roman soldier. And as I shared a few minutes ago, the Roman soldier, if he did not stand, if he did not have a good foundation uh, and stand against the enemy, then he was in trouble. And the reason is because all of his protection was in the front, from, from the breastplate to the helmet to the shield, right, to, um, to the, to the uh, um, leather boots that the Roman soldier would have worn with the uh, nails driven through it for, for cleats that he might hold his ground. And so everything has to take place in front of us. And so as Christians, we can't just run from our problems. That's not what the Apostle Paul saying. The Apostle Paul is saying that we have to stand firm, we have to commit to hand-to-hand -to -hand combat. We're not battling flesh and blood. We're, we're battling these principalities and the, the evil and the darkness in the world in which we live. And if we're going to be able to withstand that, not only do we need to have the whole armor of God and put it on, but the first thing we have to do, the very first thing, is we have to stand strong in the Lord. And we have to stand. And so again, we are our weakest when we turn and run from the confrontation. And so we've been called to stand as brothers and sisters in Christ. Christ is going to give us everything we need to be able to stand up against the enemy. And so I just want to really emphasize that one more time. Listen, one of the things that we see Christians do, and I'm guilty of it, maybe you've been guilty of it, but we see throughout our culture is that the churches are really quick to kind of turn and run from problems, to turn and run from cultural issues. And what we need to do is stand and to stand strong in the Word of God and in the will of God uh, against what the world may try to bring an attack against the church of Christ. And so we can't just run or compromise on certain things. We have to stand firm in what the, the will and the Word of God is for the believer. And so just as a Roman soldier, we have to stand firm looking hand-to-hand, eye-to-eye combat with the enemy. So verse 13 again, after we've done all that, we've got to be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, we stand. And then verse 14 begins with that same admonition, stand, therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest. Or many of your translations will say, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness. And so this, this is important, this notion of uh, having our loins girt or, or the truth like a belt around our waist. This is significant. Remember that in the Greek, as they're writing, they're going to include, Paul is including the most important concepts first. And I'm not saying that's a hard and true uh, Greek 
vocabulary or, or, or uh, grammatical um, structure. I'm saying that typically in Greek, we look and whatever comes first, it's, it's an order of importance. And so as we look at this, the first thing, you have to stand because if you turn your back or cower, you leave yourself vulnerable to attack. The second thing that Paul talks about in importance is the belt of truth. Now, why is the belt so important? There's really two main functions that the belt and the armor of a Roman soldier play. First, because the Romans uh, had, um, you've seen kind of their outfits, and it's, it's kind of like a robe from the waist down. And whenever a soldier was going into battle and would need to charge or be able to move forward, he could take the bottom portion of, of his uh, robe. I, I don't know if that's the exact right word for it, but it is, it is a robe. He could take that and he could lock it into his belt so that it would lift it up and allow him to run without him worried about tripping over his, his outfit. And so that's the first thing that the belt um, uh, offered to the Roman soldier. The second thing was the belt not only held up um, the, the robe of the Roman soldier, but every single piece of the armor uh, fit into the belt. And so the, bless, the, the breastplate of righteousness, when it was strapped on, would then strap into the belt to be held in place. And so the belt, in essence, if you don't have the belt on, then the rest of the armor falls apart. So the belt holds the uniform and the armor together. And so the Apostle Paul says to us that we are to gird ourselves in truth. And so the truth is Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, the Lord Jesus Christ declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. And so the Apostle Paul is saying that in this foundational truth, in Jesus Christ, that for the believer, and when we begin to look at the battles we face ahead, or even just walking in this world in which we live with the sin and the darkness uh, constantly surrounding us and bombarding us, that the, the one thing that holds everything together is Christ. Christ is the truth. And so the belt of the Roman soldier, which held the armor together for the Christian, for the believer, truth is the same thing. And Jesus Christ declared himself to be the truth. And so we, uh, the entire armor that God gives us to defeat and stand against Satan is built on the premise that Jesus Christ is our foundation. It is the centerpiece. It is what holds everything else together. So Jesus Christ holds it all together for us. So we stand firm, strong in the Lord, putting the belt of truth on, the truth being the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. And so the truth is Christ, and without Him, the rest of the armor would be useless. You can't fake it. You, you can't fake. You can fake some of the other things. You can try to live at peace. You can, you can act certain ways, but you can't fake Christ. You can't fake having the truth, and you can't withstand the wiles of Satan and stand against the enemy when he comes against you if you don't have a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the center. Christ is what holds it all together. And if we don't have a relationship with Christ, then it all falls apart. And so Paul, talking to the church in Ephesus, says, you believers in Ephesus, 
Put on the armor like you see the soldiers wearing armor every single day because we have hand-to-hand combat that's taking place between us and the enemy. And so the first thing we do is stand. And the second thing we do is we put on truth. Truth being the Lord Jesus Christ because Christ holds it all together. Then he talks about in the spiritual army the breastplate of righteousness, right? So not only are we to put this um, belt around our waist, but righteousness like armor around our chest, this breastplate of righteousness. I would just notice this. Listen, righteousness is the positive result of a sound relationship between God and a person. And so if you have a sound relationship with God, if you are living within the will and the word and the ways of God, then that is to walk in righteousness, to walk in the will of God, to walk as God would desire you to walk. And this is a gift from God that the truth is we just don't deserve. But it allows us to have relationship with Him. And through this relationship, we begin to study and learn more and more about God as we become mature Christians. And this is what protects our heart against being misled by false doctrine or or being tossed to and fro by every um, wind and wave of doctrine that's thrown our way. And so we're to live righteous lives. We're to be in the Word of God. We're to be uh, in prayer and constant communication with God and relationship with God. So righteousness is me walking in right relationship with God. And this is a, a maturing process, but this is what protects the believer's heart is the relationship which he has with God, walking in rightness. And so truth, it holds it all together. It is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And so my belt is that everything else is going to attach to Christ being the center of who I am. That I have a relationship with Christ. That which protects my heart is that I have a right walk with God. And so when my walk with God is right, I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness. This protects my chest. And when the church comes together in righteousness, then our hearts are protected. Not just as individuals, but collectively as the community of Christ. And so we need to not only stand firm, because if we turn our backs to run, then we're leaving ourselves completely vulnerable to attack. And so we stand firm. We stand face to face and toe to toe with the enemy when the enemy attacks. How do we do that? Stand firm. Put on the belt of truth. Truth being Jesus Christ. So we're standing in Christ, having a relationship with Christ. How do we protect our heart? Well, the breastplate of righteousness is that we walk in rightness. And so we are walking in a right relationship with God. This is what protects the heart of a believer against the, the attacks of Satan. And so we have the truth of Jesus Christ. This is our foundation. We, we have the, the, the belt of truth in Christ. And then we have walking in rightness with God, which is the breastplate of righteousness. The next thing that the Apostle Paul talks about in verse 15 is, uh, is this. Well, I'll just read it. And your feet... Sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. Yours may read, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so a Roman soldier would take a, a piece of hard leather that was fitted uh, to fit on the bottom, the, the sole of his foot. He would drive nails through the soles. 
And they would act like cleats. They would actually grab and grip the ground. Now this was important because the first thing we're going to do is we're going to stand. Right? The second thing, we're going to have the truth of Christ around our waist. The, uh, we're going to have the righteousness of God protecting our hearts. And now we have the feet, which is the gospel of peace. It is the good news that we are taking to others. And the good news, the gospel of peace, is that which holds us firm in our stand. And so as the Roman would stand this hand-to-hand combat with these um, leather-bound cleats, really, gripping the ground, then it protected not only the individual soldier, but the entire unit of soldiers, because now they had the same grip, they stood firm together. And, And I would just say this, make sure you understand that the call to stand up against the enemy Yes, there's an individual component where I have to get up and I have to, to keep the armor of God. Not put it on and take it off, but put it on and keep it on. But as believers, as we come together in community, if we're all laced up, right, from the, from the head to the toe, we, we have the armor of God on, we're standing firm. And, and what this is, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that which gives us the foundation to stand upon so that our feet don't slip in battle so that we don't slip up. And so it's, it's feet that have been prepared with the gospel of peace. And so when the spiritual arm of the soldier is shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, I would just say this, the gospel of Christ, it's our foundation. It's what we stand on is the good news of who Jesus is and what Jesus did and what he's going to do. And so when you've studied it, and you know it, and you believe it, and you live it, then you know that you have a foundation that you can stand on. Then the Apostle Paul goes to 16. In 16 of mine, it says, In every situation, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Uh, yours may read something like this. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You have to forgive me because my printer doesn't know how to print things on the same page. So the, the Roman soldier, the, the, the shield that a Roman soldier would carry would be roughly four feet tall and three foot wide. Just a a rectangular shield. A big shield, but a rectangular shield. And you can imagine a line of Roman soldiers with their cleats, effectively, with their feet prepared to not give, to not give ground. These Roman soldiers coming together, forming a wall out of their shields. And so the enemy at this point can't move forward in the attack and so the, the, the next strategy would be to use arrows, to begin to lob fiery arrows over this wall of soldiers in an attempt to reach the, the, um, the battalion of Roman soldiers behind the shields. And so what the Roman soldiers would do is they would take this, this shield that was coated with a, a leather-type coating that would uh, quench fire before it could do any damage to the shield. And so the first group of soldiers would stand with the shield in front 
when oncoming attack was taking place. And then the next row of soldiers would place the shields above their head, ultimately forming protection both in the front and over the top uh, of the, the, the soldier. And so this, for, the, for the Christian, this is what faith does. That this is faith gives us the uh, protection that we need as Satan begins to lob darts and fiery trials and, and begins to try to cause us to question our faith. But what faith does is it quenches and puts out all the fiery wiles that Satan would try to throw our way. And so we come together, we stand firm, we gird ourselves with the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, living in right relationship with Him, which is the breastplate of righteousness, right? Uh, put, putting our feet to use with the feet that are prepared with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, holding on to the shield of faith that will help us to stand against the fiery darts that say, Satan may try to bring our way. 17 completes the armor by saying this, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so uh, understand again that it is the, this helmet of salvation. Let's start there. It says metal headgears, of course, used to, to protect the head in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Uh, you may get your bell rung pretty good with a, with a helmet on, but ultimately it could save your life in battle as the head was always the, the target of your uh, enemy, your opponent. In the same way, we understand that Satan, his main tactic is to, to come at our minds, to begin to cause the believer to question things in his mind. This is the battlefield that we face. There are lots of things we get ourselves in trouble with. We get ourselves in trouble with the tongue and not being able to tame the tongue and watching the words that we say. But ultimately, Satan begins to attack us by planting seeds of doubt in our mind. So we take the shield of faith. We stand firm in that, having put on the helmet of salvation. And the helmet of salvation, spiritually, our salvation protects us from the lies that Satan would try to fill our mind with. And so while Satan may um, have an opportunity to ring our bell a little, he can't cause damage or he, he can't do anything about our salvation. The, our salvation is secured in Christ, sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, verified by God's authority when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And so Satan can't take our salvation from us, but he can certainly try to plant seeds of doubt in our minds. If we ever begin to doubt our salvation, we almost become no earthly good to other people. doesn't mean we've lost our salvation. It simply means this, that as long as we're questioning our own salvation, we're not on the battlefield fighting to progress or to move forward the kingdom of God. And so the helmet of salvation protects us from the lies that Satan would try to plant within our hearts and our minds, those lies that Satan would, would like to whisper to us when we put on the helmet of salvation, when we understand how sure and firm a salvation we have, how great a salvation, Hebrews would say, that we have, then Satan has no opportunity. Take every thought captive, the Word of God says. 
And so we have on the helmet of salvation, it is the salvation we've received from God that gives us peace of mind. And what Satan would do is to try to cause us to doubt that. And so we've been told that we are to guard our minds with the fact of our salvation. And next, he tells us that we have a sword. And the sword is the Word of God. This is the only offensive weapon that we see in our armor. Everything else is defensive. So the, the breastplate of righteousness, to walk right in God, is to protect our hearts. It, it doesn't move forward in the attack against the enemy, but it allows us to withstand the attack of the enemy. The, the belt of truth allows everything to fit together, and the belt of truth is Jesus Christ, because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We are to uh, take up the shield of faith so that we might be able to protect ourselves not only as individuals but collectively as the body of Christ to be able to shield ourselves against those fiery darts that Satan would try to lob our way to put uh, traps in front of us, to, to put temptations around us. We can withstand those things if we have the shield of faith. We're to protect our minds with the helmet of salvation because the good news of our salvation uh, should protect us from Satan's lies, right? Because Satan has no impact on our salvation. In fact, it's secured in Christ Jesus and sealed by the Holy Spirit. We know that the sword uh, was the Roman foot soldier, that, that common everyday Roman soldier that the, Ephes the, the, the church at Ephesus, the members would have seen daily in the city of Ephesus. And the Roman soldier literally would spend countless number of hours learning the sword and how to use it. Uh, he would have to um, be better than his enemy with the sword. And uh, if not, he would be defeated, taken as a slave, or maybe even killed. This is what Satan would love to do to us, to take us as a slave, to take, a, take us as a captive. To the Christian soldier, our sword, our offensive weapon is the word of God. The only offense we have. It's the truth that we measure everything else against. The word of God. This is, this is the piece that, that brings the armor all together. I, I use the word of God. This here. Uh, to test everything by. It's the truth that we preach and teach. It pulls people from Satan's grasp. It has the power to save. It's the truth that we study and we hide it within our hearts. Never letting it get dull. But always honing our understanding. Uh, sharpening our knowledge and staying prepared for battle. This is, this is what it means to wield the sword or to take up the word of God. We are to uh, study it. Become um, more fluent in it. So that when Satan tries to use it. I love the fact that if you look at the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ, how did Satan attack him? Well, he took God's word and he tried to twist it, right? Uh, it's the same tactic he used in the garden with Adam and Eve. He took God's word, he twisted it. He says to Eve, did God really say that when you eat of this you'll die? You won't die, but you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. And so he takes God's word, he tries to twist it. He, he presents the very same thing to Christ. However, Christ withstood. Why? Because Christ, his sword was much sharper than that of the enemy. So he knew the word of God better than, than the enemy knew it. 
So his sword was sharper. It wasn't dull. And he was able to withstand Satan simply by understanding uh, that the Word of God is an offensive weapon for us as believers. It's, it's the one thing we use to protect who we are in Christ. And so the Word of God has the power not only to save, but the power to uh, stave off, to, to give us an offense against the enemy. And so while we have all these defensive weapons and how we walk with God and uh, that our foundation being built in Christ and, and our hope and our trust uh, in the peace of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we have the Word of God that gives us an offensive weapon not only to stand firm or withstand, but to move forward and to take the battle to the enemy, which is what we hear uh, the truth of Christ said when he says that um, not even the gates of hell can prevail against the church, right? And so it, it's the church that should be storming the gates of hell. It's the, the church that ought to be taking the battle to the enemy. And the, the weapon we wield is the Word of God. It's the Word of God that gives us the ability to be able to stand firm in the midst of, uh, of Satan's attacks. Um, uh, yeah, just... Uh, I just want to finish reading out and, uh, and finish uh, Ephesians here. Um, and so I think it's important that we read from verse 1 to the end. I think we just don't want to skip uh, any parts. Uh, Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Again, we don't put the armor on and take it off and then put it back on the next day. The Christian is called to put on the armor of God and to keep the armor of God on. And so we, we don't pick it up and lay it down each day. We pick it up, we put it on, and we leave it on, the armor of God. This is the way we stave off Satan. I pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Paul, uh, I, I think any minister, any Christian who is taking the word of God uh, to unbelievers or believers in the world in which we live today, we desperately need prayer for boldness, that we would speak the truth boldly, even as we speak the truth boldly in love. And so Paul's asking for prayer that when he opens his mouth, it would be the Lord Jesus that would speak through him. I can just desperately tell you that as a pastor, I need this, that the pastors of your churches and the pastors in our communities desperately need your prayers that as they open their mouth, that they would speak with boldness the truth of Christ. Verse 20, for this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. And so Paul speaking, even, even when I'm arrested, even when I'm beaten, even as an ambassador of Christ in chains, uh, help me to live worthy to the call. This is what Paul said in, the, in Ephesians chapter 4. To, to live worthy to the call that we've been called in Christ. And so, as a pastor, teacher, evangelist, Paul is praying, as I open my mouth, let me speak boldly the truth of God's Word, even as a prisoner, allow me to speak boldly. Um, he, he says some farewell to a few folks, and he gives peace to them. Tychus, um, our dearly beloved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I am sending him to you uh, for this reason, um, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. And Paul finishes uh, the last two verses. Peace to the brothers and sisters 
and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all who have undyingly, who have undyingly loved for our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so that may be our prayer as well, right? That we would have an undying love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so just want to encourage you with this um, uh, closing thought or, or wrap it up uh, real nicely is to say this. Uh, I love the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters, again, give us a lot of doctrine and a, a lot of this is what we believe as Christians. This is, um, this is our faith and what our faith is about. Chapter 4, 5, and 6 is this is how we practically live it out. Uh, and so Paul begins again by telling us, hey, if you're a brother or sister, this is how you live with one another. You live with one another in peace and humility and long-suffering and bearing with one another. Uh, he goes into husbands and wives. This is how Christian husband and wives should live together in a way that honors God. Parents and children, this is how you should live with one another and honoring God at the beginning of chapter 6. He goes into slaves and masters. This is a relationship you should have. Um, I encourage you to watch the study on that if you didn't. Again, slave and master would be better translated today, uh, would be much closer to employer and employee. As in biblical times, it was illegal to kidnap someone to make them a slave. It was illegal to sell someone as a slave. It was illegal to abuse someone who was a slave. And so slavery, biblically speaking, was different. Again, not pleasant. I'm just saying it's not the picture of American antebellum slavery that we think of. Paul's not saying uh, slaves in American antebellum slavery should uh, treat their masters this way. But speaking from his content and context uh, would be much more like someone who enters agreeably into a working relationship with someone uh, where there was no physical abuse, there was no ownership uh, of another person because only God can own a person because we're created in the image of God. And then we get to this where Paul says, this is how Christians practically live in a world of darkness, battling against Satan and his henchmen. And that is we are to stand firm. We are to, uh, to strap the belt of truth around our waist so that everything may fit together because that is... Uh, who we are in Christ. Uh, with living in right relationship with God is the bre breastplate of righteousness. Um, you know, uh, shotting our feet with the gospel of peace to, to, to put on this leather strap with cleats, which were nails that were driven through the bottoms so that you might not be pushed back, but that you might push forward. And that's really what the Christian has been called to do is to push forward for the kingdom of God. Um, to take up the shield of faith because the shield of faith would help us to withstand an onslaught, a charge, as well as the fiery arrows that might be fired at us. It is the faith we have. It's the helmet of salvation. It is the recognition that our salvation is firm. That's not based on who we are, what we can do. It wasn't based on that when we, when we received it. It was uh, simply a gift from God and it is God who has sealed our salvation guaranteed through the Holy Spirit, God living within us, paid for by the, the shed blood of Christ on Calvary, and uh, verified by the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And um, so the helmet of salvation should protect us from the lies Satan would tell us about who we are, because Christ is what defines us, not Satan's lies.
And then we are to take up the word of God, sharpen and hone our skills, know what, what scripture says and what it teaches, and then apply that to our lives as, as uh, Christian brothers and sisters, understanding that you, we're not called to fight as individuals, but we are called collectively as the body of Christ to fight. And if we all, the community of Christ, suit up, bring out the shields of faith, the word of God, that we can withstand uh, when Satan charges, we can be covered when he fires his um, fiery darts, and we can move forward when the time comes to charge the very gates of hell for the kingdom of God. So I pray that our study of Ephesians uh, has been encouraging to you. Uh, you can go back and, and watch it. You can listen to it on any podcast if you're someone who likes to to listen to the podcast, you can just search Dr. Bruce Price and you'll find all of Ephesians on the podcast if you need to catch up. Uh, but I would encourage you, look, look at the study as a whole. Study it for yourself. Um, and uh, again, I, I would love to see in, in the comments um, any suggestions you have about studies you would like to see going forward, whether it be books uh, found in Scripture, whether it be topics of Scripture that maybe you've been studying and, and you have some questions about. So I'd encourage you, uh, comment, uh, leave a suggestion. You can message me on Facebook as well. Uh, I pray you have a blessed uh, evening, and I just pray that God would use this study of Ephesians to draw you closer to him, to understand him and know him more intimately, uh, to have a fuller knowledge of what God's like. Uh, this is my prayer constantly. I, I want to know more about God. I want to know God more personally. And uh, I know that we're humans and we're finite and there's only so much we can know uh, when we consider that we serve an infinite God. Um, and so, well, but I want to know him more. And so every time we go to Scripture, St. Augustine said, we ought to leave with a greater love for our God and we ought to leave the Scriptures with a greater love for our neighbor. And I, so I pray that as we've been through Ephesians that you have a greater love for God and a greater love for one another. And that we might fulfill that great commandment and great commission together in Christ Jesus. Uh, again, hope you have a blessed evening. Thanks for, uh, for, for taking part.